Oh my goodness, working moms, I have a special treat for you. Today on the podcast, I am interviewing a past client of mine. Her name is Sarah. In just a couple of months, she will be opening up her very own veterinarian clinic. Now, this was a dream that she had named in coaching that just a year and a half later is actually coming to fruition. And I invited her on this podcast because I wanted to hear all of her juicy secrets around how she's able to do it, how she was able to go from being overwhelmed and busy and needing to get everything done and perfect and her house clean and feeling like she wasn't showing up as the best mom and she wasn't showing up as the best doctor to this moment now where she is prioritizing herself and her workouts and her family and pursuing a very ambitious dream that she's going to share with us today. Working moms, if you have felt stuck, if you have wanted to pursue something that feels big and hard, this is the podcast for you. This is where you are going to learn exactly the kind of mindset you need to have in order to follow your dreams and have the working mom life that you absolutely dream of. Can't wait for you to hear all of the things that Sarah has to say her experiences and what she learned in coaching and how it propelled her into the life that she has today. This is just so good. Get ready, working moms, because here we go. Welcome to the Ambitious and Balanced Working Mom Podcast, the place for women who want to balance their ambitious career goals with their life as a mom. If you're looking to feel more confident, decisive, and productive at both work and home, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Rebecca Olson. Let's get to it. Hello, Sarah. I am so glad you are on this podcast with me today. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I have such a treat for you working moms out there. I am interviewing Sarah Fetterschmidt, and she was a working mom that came to me in March of 2021. We're recording this at the end of October 2022. So a year and a half ago, essentially, is when we first met and we engaged in coaching together. She came to me just as she was finishing up veterinarian school, then she was going to head into... Is it called residency? I know that's what it is when you're a normal doctor. Is it a residency? Is that what you go into after that? Or what do you call it? It's not a formal program. It's just kind of your first year of practice. Oh, really? Okay. There's not that formal section after school. So you basically were coming to me after school at the very tail end of school and transitioning into that first job as a veterinarian. And it was this moment... I remember what really struck me about this call that we had right in the very beginning. Everybody that works with me, they hop on a breakthrough call and we coach a little bit on that call. We talk about coaching together and we kind of make a decision on whether we want to move forward together. And one of the things that you said was how important thresholds are in life. And that word threshold really stood out to me, like transitions, these moments where you're going from one place where you're at today and you're going into another one. You were in a big one. You were transitioning out of school, which was like four years. Is that how long? Yeah. You were transitioning out of like full-time, very intense school of four years. You had a family. We're going to hear all about that in a second. And you knew that you needed help transitioning into life, into your new normal, whatever that new normal was going to be. Tell us, Sarah, I want to hear it in your own words. Like, Tell us a little bit about you, how many kids you have in your family, kind of where you live, a little bit of maybe kind of where you're at right now, but then tell me where you were at in that moment when you were thinking about engaging in coaching and hiring a coach at that time. I want to hear all about it. So I am a veterinarian, like she said, and I work in Kailua, Hawaii. I've got two little girls, a four-year-old now and a two-year-old and my husband, and I'm actually expecting our third in March. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. What? <laughs> yeah. Sarah, congratulations. That's amazing. So good. Yeah. We're really excited. Yeah. Young kids. Yes. So even a year and a half ago, they were little, little. Yeah. Dixie was three and I think Betty was like nine months or something when I started working with you. So, so good. Okay. So... Talk to me a bit about what was going on in life at that time. Like we knew it was this thresholds moment in life, but what was going on in life where you really just said like, I'm going to need help getting from where I'm at today into a better spot. 
And that started probably, quite honestly, months before we first spoke. So I have to give all the credit on this one to my husband, who was a small business owner at the time and had worked with some coaches and things like that for him professionally. I remember very clearly there was a dinner, a date night dinner, where we sat down and he first proposed this idea of like coaching to me. He knew he needed to be kind of gentle and subtle about the topic because like (laughs) my people, like where I come from, like we don't need help from anybody and we can do it ourselves, you know? So he kind of knew that that probably wasn't going to be something I was going to accept super quickly. But one thing he did, and this is what I suggest to anybody that I talk to about you and wants to work with you, is he put my email on your mailing list. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Yeah, he did that. And so I just started randomly getting these emails from you. And, you know, over time, you know, read them and like, I would really like connect with some of your messages in there. Like I'd be in the middle of like class or something like almost brought to tears by some of the the content that you put out there because it just rang so true to me. So, you know, that went on for a few months. And then I, you know, it was like, okay, I think this coaching thing that you mentioned like months ago, I think I might be interested in that. He's like, finally, it'll be so good for you. It's gonna be great. I want to stop here for a second, because now that we're having this conversation, I remember that he emailed me. And he said, I'm emailing you on behalf of my wife, who would be a little skeptical about hiring a coach. And so I'm vetting for her some coaches on her behalf and she doesn't really know about it. But tell me more about what you do and like the cost and all of these things. And so I remember your husband is remarkable. That has never happened. And I don't think ever since I've had a husband that has reached out to me on in that way. And I remember I wrote back and I'm like, and let's also be clear that I would have to eventually talk to her. Like she's the one that has to buy into this coaching relationship and the desired results that we're going to get at coaching and so forth. And he was like, that's totally, I get it. And then many months went by. Many months went by until you finally reached out and booked a call with me. Yeah, he knows me pretty well. It's going to take a while. (laughs) But yeah, so that connection that I was making through kind of your emails and your message. And when I would think about like scheduling a call with you, like it made me nervous and it made me scared, right? And then eventually I'm like, because it makes you nervous and scared is probably something you should do. So that's when I decided to make the call. I love that idea because I have that same bit of intuition in me. Like when I want to run away from something and I realize I want to run away from something, I usually take it as a sign that I'm supposed to walk towards it because I'm not, I don't want to run away, right? Like I'm not somebody that does run away. It's not in my DNA. And so I love that you had that same intuition. I'm curious about, because I know a lot of people have this thought, like I shouldn't ask for help. Asking for help means I did something wrong or I'm doing it wrong or something's bad or I shouldn't be where I'm at. So much so that now I can't help myself and I need to ask for help. Where does that come from, do you think? Inside of you, at least. Yeah, I think for me, like I was raised as a very self-reliant independent. And that was just one of the qualities that through my upbringing, my family had really instilled in me that you know, we don't need help. We can do this on our own. And like, you can find the solution yourself. And like, you know, that was before working with you, probably pretty core to my like identity. And so by giving up and saying that someone else can have something to show you or do something differently, that's kind of like admitting fault a little bit. And that was really hard for me. What's your perspective of it now? Uh, I mean, much different. Like when we go, went through the process of like identifying my core values, what's actually important to me and not necessarily just because that was what I was taught like growing up, but like what really matters to me, you know, that wasn't in there. Like me being a super self-reliant person, you know, that didn't come through. Like some other things like being an achiever and having high standards, those things for sure. But I came to realize like, I'm not too good to get some help and find some other ways and solutions to do things. I love that. I love that you bring it back to values because it is the first thing that I do with all of my clients as we identify those core values at the very first session, right? It's like right out of the gate. That's what we do because they are a guide through so much of what we talk about from there on out. I'm curious because now it's been a year and a half since we did that, even that exercise of your values. Like, does that come up? for you? Do you think about those words that we came up with and how they guide you or what's important about them or what's on the list or not on the list of your values? Oh yeah, for sure. I think like, I mean, it came into like 
even when you're deciding to have another kid, like, okay, is that in line with like my values and what we really want? And, you know, those types of things, like it's definitely played a role. We definitely talk about it and then we'll probably get to it, but your purpose as well. And like what you're, you know, what you're on this planet to do, like, is this a kind of alignment with like my purpose and things like that? And I come back to that all the time. And then one of the things we worked on kind of after I had gotten started in the job early on was, you know, what does it mean to be a good doctor? And what does it mean to be a good whatever? And so, you know, when we were kind of setting those, like, this is the five things that I think it means to be a good doctor, or these are the five things it means if I'm being a good mom, when you're kind of setting those boundaries and those expectations for yourself, coming back to those core values and your purpose and things like that, help you kind of understand. So I might be the doctor that's a little bit behind in appointments, but I took extra time to teach this nurse how to do this thing. And that's really important to me. And that's living into my purpose and my values. And that's what I want to do. So I'm going to accept I'm a few minutes behind and take the time to do that. I love that. There's so much we could talk about that. That particular session, I remember a lot because it was so palpable like that the reality of being a doctor that you want to give quality care is obviously super important to you. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be a doctor in the first place. Like you really want to help people. And you have a schedule of people that you need to see and you only have a very short period of time with every single one of them. And how do you navigate somebody coming in with their pet that needs a little extra attention, but you know that that means six other people are going to be waiting for you down the line because there's going to be a trickle-down effect. And then that last person's going to be super mad at you. And they're going to come in all upset because they've just waited like 30 minutes for you and they didn't want to wait 30 minutes. Oh, I remember it so much. We really did talk about at depth, where did your values point in this kind of scenario? Because it was such a reality for you that these were the kinds of things happening daily that you went home and you felt terrible about and you didn't want to feel terrible about it anymore. And so we pointed back to those values and said, well, what's really most important in this situation? And what are your options? What could you do? And I remember we talked about, you could like cut the person off and say, look, I got to go. I'm sorry. (laughs) Your pet's fine. Let's move on. And you were like, I can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. I think when I came to you, I would have bad mornings with my daughters because you know, if kids are slow and they're little and it's sometimes hard to get them dressed and out the door on time. And it was so important to me at that time in my life to be on time for whatever reason, to maintain like I show up on time, which, you know, in general, I think is a good principle. But when you have like kids showing up on time, is that the deficit of like what relationship and what kind of morning I'm going to have with my daughters? And so, yeah, when we sit down and think about, okay, what's really important to me? Is being on time really important to me or is having like a good morning and being able to wait and watch my, you know, three-year-old put on her shoes by herself? Like, is that, you know, what's more important? And like, literally those two things sometimes get pitted against each other. And when I, I decided for myself that like, nope, I'm going to be the person that waits the two minutes and watches their daughter put on their shoes by themselves. And we're going to have a great time. I'm not going to speed her through that process. And I'm okay with that and accepting that and really like wrapping your brain around that and being okay with it on a consistent basis has made all the difference. Just little things like that. Yeah, because punctuality wasn't on your values list. Right, (laughs) it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) But connection or something related was. And like these were connecting moments that you had with your daughters. And at that point, they were few and far between. You did not have a ton of time with your kids because of your schedule. And because of being in school and all that stuff, these moments really, really mattered to you. And you needed to make them the best they could possibly be. This was the way to honor your values in that moment. Knowing truly at the core what's most important to you is a game changer in all of the little moments and then in the big moments in life too. And I want to shift to talking about the big moments because the real reason I wanted you to be on this podcast, though I could talk about this stuff all of the time, something really big has happened for you recently. And it was something that we talked about in coaching. And I got this message from you a couple weeks ago. I think you voxed me because with all of my clients, I do this one-on-one voxing, which is like a messaging app that allows me and my clients to like leave voice messages to each other. And so it's so fun. I get messages from clients all of the time that I've worked with in the past. And so you, you messaged me and you were like, I did it. I quit. I'm starting my own business. Like It's happening. And I was like, what? You have to come on the podcast to talk about this. And in here, just in these brief couple of minutes before we started recording this, you were telling me a little bit about this. So give us like in brief, like what's happening? What's in the works right now? What are you building? And then we're going to come back to like how you got here. 
Yeah. So I recently resigned from my my first job as a veterinarian and I'm going to start my own practice. And we're really kind of rethinking veterinary medicine and the veterinary experience and the paradigm and kind of, you know, wanting to start something that's totally fresh and new and do things really, really differently. So my husband's my business partner, but yeah, we're starting our own space, uh, our own clinic from scratch. Oh my gosh. I just think this is the best story. Tell us about how you found the place. <laughs> you know, our ideal place that we've actually found is like this huge 2,400 square foot. It's going to be a beautiful hospital one of these days. And then Enchanted Lakes, which is the neighborhood we live in, and it's going to be awesome. And so we're kind of working through the builder and contracting process and all these things. And then we found out it's going to be over a year until we can get a building permit to even get started on the project. And so my husband and I like had all this momentum where we were really working with everything to get it all set up. And we we're just like <sighs> devastating, you know, because we we're just ugh, awful. So we were like kind of taking a, a powwow, took a lunch and we're sitting there eating lunch and, you know, we're kind of both of us are bummed. It's kind of a, a nadir, you know, for our kind of emotions at this point. And we kind of look over and go, well, that spot's for rent. Let's go check it out. So after lunch, we like walk over. So you were having a powwow lunch to discuss the fact that the most perfect building you would not be able to renovate for another year. You were bummed about that. And so you were going away to lunch in order to talk about what are my options. And then you look out the window at lunch across the street and there's a place for rent. And so you go over there to check it out. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. We wander across the street and we start peeping in the windows and we're like, you know, it's kind of small, but I think it might work. Oh, it's got a bathroom. And, you know, there's just this like handwritten sign with the phone number on it. So we're like, let's call it. <laughs> for rent. Yeah, for rent. And like a little. Yeah, yeah, like literally. So yeah, so we, we called it, we spoke with the owner, told him kind of what our business is going to be. And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. Go ahead. You know, like, so we, I mean, I think we signed the lease that week. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It became really evident that there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> and so I needed to kind of like transition from my current place where I was working, kind of shift my efforts into kind of getting this thing started up because it, it all started to happen a, a lot faster than, you know, I had initially anticipated. So I, yeah, I put up my resignation, which was scary and awful. Crazy. When do you hope it to open? We're hoping to start team training in December and do kind of a soft opening for friends and family in December and then be open, like ready for the public in January. Oh my gosh. So good. So tell me, how did coaching that we did a year to a year and a half ago, how has that played a role in this dream of opening your own clinic? How did it play a role in that happening for you and this dream coming true? Gosh, we were reflecting on like my breakthrough call and like the note that I had sent you there. And you can ask me how I felt when I read through that. And I was just like, man, I was worried about the dishes <laughs> and like the, the laundry. And like at that point in time, those were things that like really caused me a lot of stress and anxiety and were like kind of really holding me back from feeling happy about my life, you know, and now looking back on it, it seems like, man, that was pretty trivial. Now I'm, I have stress and anxiety, but about much bigger and much different topics. <laughs> but it's really like going back to that, those little things and the, the mindset that you're in and those little things build to big things. Like I shared with you early on. So like, I think the biggest thing in coaching that I gain is identifying your kind of thought patterns and what's a helpful thought and what's not a helpful thought. And then like what to do about those unhelpful thoughts, you know? And I think when I came to you, I used the word should a lot. <laughs> and you helped me kind of identify that whenever I'm saying that word should, that's self-judgment and I am judging myself and really holding myself back. And so, you know, through our work together, I was able to one, identify that that's what was going on. And then two, kind of change my mindset around some of the words and the thought patterns that I was using about myself. And from changing that and like going through our purpose and values, you know, you're able to like make better decisions for yourself and make better thought patterns. And then from the little things, like not worrying about the dishes, now you can do all these other amazing things and you have more time and more aperture and you can just expand. Yeah. One of the things I do with all of my clients is you're talking to me about some of the things that you wrote in that prep form for the breakthrough call. And some of the things you identified that were bothering you were the dishes had to be done every single night before you went to bed and you had to have a clean house and you had to... All of these things that you're kind of naming as trivial that we kind of get into this pattern of like, 
we need this to be a certain way. We need this to happen. And you get irritated at your husband when he does this every single time. And your kids need to respond in this way. And life circumstances need to be better. You thought at the time that there was a way to make all of these things perfect on some level. And what I was pointing you towards was saying, what if we just let go of your circumstances needing to be a certain way? And then you just adjusted the way you felt about all of your circumstances. So then your circumstances could be great or they could be terrible. And it wouldn't really matter because you were in control of you always. So whether the dishes were done or not, you could go to sleep with peace of mind and feeling very relaxed and rested and feeling good and adequate (laughs) as a human being and as a mom and as a, a wife or whatever. And one of the things I do is like when we have things like this that irritate us all of the time or that are kind of getting in the way of us experiencing the life that we want to be experiencing, we identify them as patterns. You're calling them a thought pattern because that's ultimately where it stems from is like you can't leave the dishes undone before going to sleep, even if it's like way too late and you really need to get to bed. And that's the best thing for you. It's like you couldn't do anything but like clean these dishes because you had to have it a certain way. And so we identified that as like a pattern, like this is always happening. Where is this coming from? Like, what's the feeling that's like causing you to like have to do the dishes before you go to sleep? And it was somewhere, some flavor of like inadequacy, ultimately, right? If the dishes are undone, you feel you as a human being like feel inadequate, like they should be done. And if they're not done, then that means something terrible about me. And so we knew you had these thoughts about yourself having dirty dishes that made you feel bad about you, which would then, of course, cause you to like get up and do the dishes before you went to bed. Like there's a very clear pattern between all of that, between your thoughts and your feelings and your actions, right? And so with all of my clients, I identify them. We all have them. All of us have these patterns of doing things and feeling things and thinking things that don't really serve us in the end, that don't allow us to live the happy, balanced, cheerful, rested, fun, exciting life that we want to have ultimately as working moms. And when we identify the patterns that are kind of getting in our way, then we can do the work to actually start to shift them. We could do the work to actually notice the pattern in the moment and then make a different decision and say, it's fine. I can leave the dishes. And I know that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person and that I'm a terrible wife or a terrible mom or whatever it is. And you can like check that. And I love that you you were just saying earlier, like you kind of laugh at that now. It's like you leave the dishes all of the time now. <laughs> a year and a half later, like, of course, the dishes are not the most important thing to get done. But then they were. Yeah. One of the most powerful questions that you asked me, and I think it might have been in the breakthrough call or one of our very early questions is I was describing the feelings that came up for me around like not having the dishes done or the laundry folded or something like that. And you asked me, what are you making that mean? What are you making that And then I just started crying because obviously there's a lot more emotion and a lot more things behind there than just obviously the dishes not being done. And for me, I was making like, if I had a messy house and unclean dishes and the laundry wasn't done, that meant I was a bad mom. And that meant I wasn't getting to enough things. And that meant I couldn't relax. And I mean, it just meant so much. And so once we really unpacked that and was able to work through it, yeah, like I woke up this morning, I had a huge mountain of dishes. (laughs) waiting for me. Didn't bother me at all. I went to bed last night feeling great. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so good. Yeah. So powerful. Once you're able to kind of move back and pass those things that seem important and you can really like change your mind around like how you feel about that. And what do you make that mean to you? So powerful. Yeah. Because a lot of that was our earlier work that we did together. And then my hunch is that that had a freeing effect for you to start dreaming about what was next. And ultimately, we know what this dream is. It's coming to fruition now, opening this clinic that you've wanted to open. What's the connection between the ability to like let go of those little things and shift your thoughts into being able to transfer that into going after such a huge, what feels like such a big dream? Getting comfortable being uncomfortable. I think is probably one of the more powerful things. So, you know, the first time you go to bed without doing the dishes, that makes you feel a little uncomfortable and you get okay with it. And you decide that that wasn't so bad. And so, you know, in coming up to like leaving my job and starting my own practice like that, that's a really uncomfortable feeling, right? All that safety and security. And I'm the primary breadwinner for my family like that. This is huge, you know? And so getting okay, like I feel uncomfortable. That makes me nervous. Okay. Why does it make me nervous? 
Okay, those are all legitimate reasons to be nervous. Is that a good enough reason to not do it? And kind of really having that, like the ability to identify that feeling and then have an honest conversation with yourself about why you feel that way and then move past it. So good. So powerful. Do I want to feel that way? It feels like is in there. It's like, hmm, I feel it. Like safety and security. That makes sense. My brain's going into fight or flight. We're going to have... That's, this is a big loan. There's big risk. I'm leaving my paycheck, my full-time paycheck. Like all of that totally makes sense. Got it. And is this the way I want to feel about this moving forward? Is this... Do I want to make decisions based on fear of safety and security? Is this really even unsafe? It's probably a question that's come up on some level, maybe consciously or subconsciously. Maybe actually, I'm doing the best thing for my family (laughs) by investing in this dream. Like, There's an argument for that as well. And what you're building for your family, both in a financial sense, yes, but the kind of value that you're demonstrating to your kids and what it takes to go after a dream and go after something big, like all of that has an immense amount of value. That is, There's an argument for why that serves your family the best and like is the best safety net for your family. Like, There's so many ways that we can think about it. When you realize that these are just thoughts and feelings, and then you get to ultimately decide however you want to think about something or however you want to feel about something. like You don't have to live in this default way all of the time. Right. And I think one of the things that has to be true to make the decision that you just talked about to believe that you're, you know, this is actually the better thing to do is confidence for sure. Right. You have to be like confident in yourself. And that's something that I know we worked on early on and have like probably a lot of your other ambitious moms, like perfectionist tendencies and you want to get it right and has to be perfect. And, you know, we worked a lot around like, you know, what's enough as far as like, for me specifically doing charts, like what does enough look like? Uh, and we laid out some very specific, like this is enough. Or as a new surgeon, like when is studying a, a new procedure that you're going to do? Like, when is that enough? Like, when have you met, checked all the boxes that we can, we can say that that's enough. And what I found in like my first year of being a new doctor, really like super scary, you have all this knowledge and things, but you don't have any experience. And so I would find myself knowing something. I know the answer to this problem, but I would check in with this person or that person or read this book or look up this article, but I know the answer to the problem. And I don't think me prior to coaching, I wouldn't have been able to identify that, right? Like I would have just kept doing the research or asking people, you know, I use other external sources to feel confident enough to like move forward with the diagnosis or the treatment. But after having gone through the coaching process, when I would feel myself kind of start to do that, I would be like, I don't need any more. I know the answer. I have the confidence within myself to know that I don't need it. I don't need to keep asking these questions. I can move on. Yes. That self-validation is huge. What a skill to learn. I love that so much. Just that self-trust. Like, I got it within me. I know it. Right? You could research. It could be endless amounts of research. And I remember that's what we talked about. You could write endless amounts of notes about every patient, every pet that you see, right? Like there's not a stopping point, really. You could just keep writing and writing and writing, but at what cost? And in this case, it was like the cost of you getting home to be with your family to have dinner (laughs) ultimately. And it's like, so what? And that's why we ended up going through this. Like, let's be really clear. When is it enough? Like, what do you really need? What's the real point of this? And we got down to the bottom of it so that when push came to shove and it was time to leave the office, like you knew when you could really be done and what a good standard was for you. And learning to like, I could just trust myself to know the rest because I know it's within me. It's so big. Tell me about how the confidence is playing itself out now as you go into this new venture of following this dream. Most veterinarians wouldn't dream of trying to set out on their own before like five years of experience under their belt. And I came to like, you know, that was kind of my going in argument. Like I was planning on waiting like three to five years before I started my practice always knowing that I kind of wanted to do that, but I, you know, I knew like I need some experience. And then like, I don't know, just in that first year of practice, I was like, I think I could do this. Like, I, like, I know I could do this. You know, of course there's always going to be, and I think this is one of the things that's been really helpful is kind of, I think in your podcast and, and through our coaching, normalizing, like I'm an ambitious person. My to-do list will always be long. Even So like my last year of veterinary school, I had this gap between third year and fourth year and I had nothing to do. Most people do internships and research and all this stuff. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing any of that. You know, I'm just going to stay home with my kids. And my to-do list got longer. (laughs) 
<laughs> on my break. Cause then I just, you know, came up with a bunch of house projects I wanted to work on, things I wanted to do with the girls, things I wanted to teach them. And so that's always going to be it. I'm always going to have a lot to do and I'm always going to feel really busy. There isn't, you're going to just find it. You're going to create it somehow because you're an ambitious. Because I'm me, right? So, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's good. Like, that's actually a part of myself. Like, I really like is that I'm ambitious and I go after these things. And so, yeah, when we were talking about like starting a new practice, like, and I was thinking about, you know, what's holding me back from starting this today. And then when you really kind of start to think about it, you're like, well, I need to learn how to do this. or I need to learn how to do that. And like, okay, I need to learn those things. And I will for sure. And I'm going to hire team members and colleagues that I can collaborate and things like this. I'm not going to be missing out on that aspect of it. There's no reason I need to wait when it comes down to it. I have what it takes now. This is such a great question. So I want to make sure we're highlighting it. What's holding me back from starting this today? Or if you're a working mom that is just has a dream of some kind, whether that's to quit your job, get promoted into a job, start a business, you know, become a consultant, whatever it may be. Just yesterday, I was talking to a working mom who just wants to be able to be home when her kids get off the school bus every day. And she wants a job that allows her to be home, but she doesn't want to sacrifice pay. Basically, she wants to work less hours, but she doesn't want to sacrifice pay. That's a part of her dream. And the question that you asked yourself is, what's holding me back from starting this today or doing this today? And it would be a, an interesting question for that working mom to consider, like what's really holding you back from creating that and doing that? And everything that you came up with was ultimately just you feeling like you needed to be more prepared for it, right? <laughs> it was like, I need to have this knowledge and I need to have these kinds of connections and I need to have this. Like, What did you think your brain thought that you were going to get? when you had all of those things, when you were actually, quote, 100% prepared or more prepared than what? Yeah, I think pre-coaching, I would have just always wanted more to be more prepared and had this feeling that like, I really needed to have all my ducks in a row. I needed to have everything figured out. I need to have the financing all worked out. You know, I need to have everything like in a nice, pretty package to feel good about it because it has to be clean and it has to be, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You don't want to fail. Oh, of course. Because your brain thinks that if all of those things, all of your ducks are in a row and you're 100% prepared, you will mitigate any possibility of failure. You'll give yourself the best possible scenario for success. And ultimately, you aren't doing that. You aren't putting all of your ducks in a row. I mean, you're getting lots of ducks in a row. Of course you are, but they're not all going to be there. There's no tiny bow happening in the next three months, I would imagine. No. So instead of believing that that is what's going to mitigate failure, what do you believe now? That I will. Like, this can't fail because I won't let it. That self-trust, that like confidence that's like deep within you. You're going to figure it out. Of course, there's going to be lots of things. The building permit's going to take a year. Those things are going to happen and you're going to have to pivot and you're going to have to find another way around it. You're going to have to problem solve for it. Like there's going to be lots of problems to solve and you are going to solve them because that's where success lies, right? It's not going to lie in the perfect plan. It's going to lie in the executor of the plan, which is you. I love it. So you come back to this thought a lot. Like I have the answer. I know the answer. Like what are some of your other thoughts you find yourself coming back to that tend to ground you in this place of confidence? What are some of the like beliefs or mindsets that you have? that keep you feeling really grounded and moving forward despite fear? So there's this phrase, and I think it was, you know, someone way back in the day, like maybe my eighth grade teacher would use the term like, trust your talent. And he was even trying to instill that in me like way back then, but it, it took coaching to like really believe that phrase that like, I haven't gotten to where I'm at by accident and like really knowing and believing that, you know, just fall out of bed and get where I am like it. And that, you know, sustained kind of superior performance, like, and, and being an achiever and, and being where I am. And like, at some point, it's okay to trust that, to trust your own history and to trust that, like, you've done the work to get here and you'll continue to do the work to get where you want to go. Trust your own history. I love that thought. It's such a good one. Did we talk about that in coaching specifically? Do you, do you remember? We did? Yeah, it was a pretty good couple months there. It was my daily work. And you would have me like get up every morning. I, I chose the mornings are easier for me. 
and I would just sit down and and go through the, you know, I think it was like a five question exercise. And the idea there was sometimes you'd have the same answer every day, you know, to kind of help reinstill this belief. And it was like, I am awesome. I'm amazing. I, you know, I've done this. And it was like really working through like how to quantify this to yourself. Like I, you know, did the surgery. I saved that patient. I am a good doctor. I am a good mom because I do this, this, and this. And like really writing it out every day, every day for like a really long time. I did that and have kind of gone back to that sometimes when you need to, you know, so we can tell our brains, we can identify the things, but really making yourself believe something like that takes that kind of practice and repetition and doing it all the time. And to where now it kind of feels like secondhand. And so now it feels like if I'm not doing that, that feels like the weird part. And I'm like, oh yeah, I need to go back to this is what I'm doing just because I'm so used to doing it every day and like on the fly and every moment, you know, that kind of thing. So that when I'm not doing that, it's kind of oh, stick that sticks out. Whereas that used to be my all the time. Like I would always kind of have that really negative self-talk. As human beings, we have a negative bias, generally speaking. Like it's a part of our survival instinct as human beings is to have a negative bias because we see the wrong, we see the bad, we see the risk so that we stay safe. That's the safety mechanism within us. And so we have to be super intentional about redirecting our brain into a more positive space, at least into a more neutral space, you know, if possible. And so this practice that you're talking about, I call it the daily work. And I give it to most of my clients at some point in our time together when we're working on like new beliefs in ourselves and wanting to instill a new thought about ourselves. And it could be something as simple like what you're saying is like, I'm amazing. I'm a great doctor, right? And you say it and you're like, that sounds really odd to say we don't tend to think about ourselves in that way let alone we don't tend to validate that thought, which is the big part of the daily work is not just saying that to yourself. It's then finding evidence for how you know it to be true. So if you're thinking, I'm amazing, one of the five questions in that is like, well, give me some evidence. Write down for the next five minutes, write as many things down as you can possibly think of that is evidence for what makes you amazing or what makes you a great doctor, whatever it was that particular day or week that you were working on. So that your brain is forced to actually find reasoning behind some of these thoughts because otherwise your brain is just gonna call your bluff. It's like, you're not amazing. Come on. (laughs) I mean, let me just show you all of the ways that you're not because that's ultimately how our brain is wired. And I love more than anything in a part of this practice that we do in coaching together is just helping you to see that your thoughts are thoughts. Just because the words go through your head doesn't necessarily mean that they're true or right or wrong, like they're just words that go through your head and they make you feel a certain way and they may or may not be useful to you. And so a lot of times we're just checking in on the usefulness of believing that. Is it useful for you to think that you're a terrible doctor because people have to wait for to see you like and your patients have to wait? Is that useful to you to think that? Probably not. Is it useful for you to think that you're not a great mom because you're pushing your kids along out the door and you want to get them to wherever on time, but probably not useful to you, right? Like what's useful to you? And you're finding these thoughts now as you're going into this big dream, like you're finding these thoughts that are really useful for you to believe, believing that you are the key to the success, not the plan. And that you didn't get to where you were at by accident and that you are worthy of trust, believing that you have all of the answers, that the answers aren't there. They're not out there somewhere that you got to go find. They're like within you, right? If you check within you, these are like really grounding, anchoring thoughts that are setting you up for success in this next venture of this business moving forward. It's so good. I'll share with you one of the things I've done last month that I'm like the most proud of. And it's not a big thing. It's a little thing. But so my husband's gone right now. He's kept his job, thank goodness. (laughs) And he's on travel. So he's been gone for the last two weeks. And I typically tend to work out in the mornings that I'm kind of, you know, like 5 a.m. person, which I can't do right now because I have two small kids at home and no one else to watch them. So I haven't really been able to work out, or at least that's what I was telling myself. And so the other day, I mean, I am a new business owner. I've got a list, so many lists of all the things. I need to do and like I need to get this place stocked and I need to get people hired and you know overwhelming amount of stuff. And last week on Tuesday, where was I at 9 a.m.? I was at the gym. I went to the gym <laughs> and it felt so indulgent there for a second. And I was like, I can't believe I'm not at my desk right now and I'm not getting things done. But and I felt it was like all that little anxiety coming up of that I wasn't getting anything done. 
But I knew from working together with you that like, all right, we know exercise is important. We know I'm going to feel great after this and that I'm probably going to have a more productive day in less time if I just do this for myself and that I'm worthy of going to the, like, it's important that I go to the gym. And so I was able to kind of like feel that anxiety and be like, nope, I'm going to make a different decision. Like this is important. And I did. So maybe I got six hours of work in that day and not eight, but it was way more productive because I felt good about myself and had all the positive benefits of exercise. So, I mean, it's, it seems like a small thing, like, okay, you you're, stoked you went to the gym, but like me two years ago, no way would I have the list of things to do that I have now and still choose to do something like that for myself. Yes. So good. And I love the point that you make, which is basically like, I pretty much know that I was more productive in those six hours than I would have been in the eight. I got actually more things done in the end or whatever I did was infinitely more effective than had I not taken that time for myself. Because you do something like that and it does feel indulgent. That happens to me as a business owner sometimes. Just because I work from home, I'm able to like sit and read a book sometimes, right? And that can feel super indulgent. And I have to remember having that time and resting my brain and feeling like I'm doing something for me, nourishing myself, reminds me of how important I am and how worthy I am as an individual. And then when I re-engage back in work, I take that mindset with me. Like I'm like such a worthy individual. Like I'm so worthy to be invested in and my time is worthwhile spending on me. Those are really useful thoughts to come back to work to be way more productive than you are when you are feeling like you're not good enough and that you're behind and that you should be doing more. And you got to get one more thing done. Like all those thoughts just make us feel bad and don't make us the most effective at what we do. I love it. I don't think it's a trivial thing at all. I think everybody can relate to those little moments that we have the opportunity to do something like that, that most of us tend to not actually follow through and do, or maybe we do, but with a lot, a lot of guilt. (laughs) I didn't let the guilt monster on my back about that at all. I was like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. Did it. And I showed up, you know, at 1030 to my desk and I was, it's great. You know, I had a great day. So good. I love that. What do you think got you over the fear hurdle in making this big leap to this dream? Yeah, I think realizing what's the cost if I don't do it. There's the fear of like, okay, what happens if I do this and it doesn't work out or how are we going to make it happen in the planning? And then when you start actually thinking about like, what is it going to cost me if I don't do this? And I don't kind of dedicate myself to this. Because if you look, if I let myself dream big, this is going to be huge. I'm going to have several very practices like all over the Hawaii and on the mainland. Like this is going to be so big and it's going to be a game changer for my family. And what's the cost if I don't do that? You know, and it's actually way more significant. It anchors you in the impact that you're making. And we can lose sight of the impact a lot when we get stuck in our day-to-day grind. That's one of those questions that like zooms us back out when we're really thinking about wanting something big in our life. If I come back to the mom that just wants to work part-time but make the same amount of money and be home with their kids when they get off of the school bus, that dream, what's the impact of not doing that? You know, What do you lose out on? What are the memories you lose out on specifically with your kids from that three to five that you wouldn't have had before? Like, There's significance in that. And you're thinking, because yours is like this way bigger like impact to the lives of pet owners and the way that veterinary medicine is even executed. Like you have so many ideas around all of that. Like there's ideas that need to be shared with the world that you just can't not share. <laughs> it's just such a beautiful thing. And I asked you this as we were in like our little pre-interview before we started recording. And I want to capture this. I had asked you like, was this dream of starting this clinic on your own Was that something that came out of coaching? So tell us about that. I came to coaching with some semblances of like, you know, I had been a thought, you know, my husband and I had batted around and like had some things written down. But I think in coaching, like I pulled up in preparation for the interview, kind of going through some of my stuff. And I was like, one of the questions was like, if you knew you could do something and there's no way you could fail, like, what would you do? And I think my answer was like, I would start my own veterinary practice. That's going to shift the paradigm of veterinary medicine. And then I wrote, and I'm going to grow it so big. It's going to change everything. And that was like the first time that like I had written that down or spoken that out loud. So I had been kind of swirling around in there for a while, but until like through coaching, I was able to like put it in writing in black and white and that I can reflect back on it now. Oh my gosh. So good. It is one of the exercises I have my clients go through is I call them their life dreams, like to go big, right? Let's think big picture about what do you really want 
out of life. But you want to get to the end of your life and say that you did and your impact was and kind of some of those zoom out types of questions because it's so important to think big picture and give our brain a bigger sense of direction. So many times I have clients that will say, I wrote answers to this that I've thought on before, but I've never put it down on paper. And it feels so scary to like write down what I actually want to do and the impact I actually want to make or the job I actually want to have. And it feels so scary. But when you put words to it, look what happened. Probably about a year ago is when you wrote that down-ish, maybe a little bit more than that. And here we are a year later. Because you went through a process that pushed you to get your dreams down on paper so that they come to fruition. If they stay in your head and you don't admit them to anyone, then there's no risk and they're not happening, right? <laughs> you put them out into the world, something magical starts to happen where that becomes that seed of an idea begins to grow into possibility. Our brain starts to see it and you start to think about it. And for you, it was like, I remember at every little thing, you're like, oh, I would do that differently if I owned my own clinic. Oh, I would do that differently if I owned my own clinic. You started to see it all over the place. It was little seeds that your brain was offering to you, like of the possibility and of the dream and what it would look like coming true. But none of that would have ever happened if you have allowed yourself to like speak the truth of what you wanted, to allow yourself the space to just dream. And one of the other exercises, I forget the exact question in the little worksheet, but it, it was basically like something around what do you want for yourself? a big picture kind of adventure wise. And I wrote down like a list of all the, the places I not only want to go, but I want to take my girls. You know, of course, that's still a dream come true. And But my husband and I have taken it one step further. We have a, a shared Google calendar and we have a vacation planned for every year, like the most remote, exotic, awesomest places, like to go to Egypt and to go to Alaska and to like do all these things. And we have like a year associated with it. And we thought about it, like what age everyone's going to be so that we could actually like maximize that's like another step that we've taken to like putting it down on paper and make it saying it out loud. And, you know, then it's on the calendar. So of course it's going to happen, right? Oh my gosh. I love that so much, so much. You give yourself the greatest possibility of those things taking place. And who knows what, we don't know what's going to happen in the next, in five years and 10 years, right? Like, you know, lots of things you could pivot. <laughs> and for lots of reasons, you might pivot but you're giving yourself the greatest possibility of it happening because you have said it, you've declared it, you've put it on your calendar and your brain is starting to think about it. So now you're probably going to start thinking about how do we financially make that work? What's the savings have to look like? About how much do we need to like put aside and how do we work that out? And how do we handle like all of those little details that we'd want to create a plan for in order to even put it on the calendar? <laughs> you're doing the opposite, which is what a lot of what we teach in coaching is like, first, you got to start with the declaration that it's happening and then let your brain do the work to problem solve for how you're going to make it happen. You never know the how until you actually decide. The decision has to come first. Oh, so good. There's so many great things happening in your life, Sarah. This is just so exciting to talk to you about it. And I just want to thank you for sharing. I had one more thing I wanted to share. I think it was like our second official like coaching call. I described like the scenario I didn't want to happen, right? So I come home from the clinic after a 12-hour day and the kids, it's like they should be in bed already, but they're in the middle of eating dinner. They're covered in their dinner. The dishes aren't done. The laundry's now folded. It's just awful. This terrible scenario, right? Every mom walks into that and it's just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And, you know, of course, at that time, early in coaching, I wanted you to help me systematize my life so that we could just avoid that scenario. And that scenario would never happen to me, right? And what you told me is that's not our goal, Sarah. Like our goal is to make it to where you walk into that scenario and you're okay, and I thought you were cuckoo for coconuts. <laughs> like, I was like, that's it. I'm done with this coaching thing. Like, I've oh, we already committed all this money. So I guess I'll, I'll keep showing up, but this isn't going to work for me. Pie in the sky. She's crazy. <laughs> yeah, she's crazy. And so, yeah, it's so funny to think that like that happens literally all the time now. <laughs> and I am like, I walk in with like my husband, like why he's so stoked about coaching and what I've got out of working with you. He's like, you come in the door with like the biggest smile on your face. And you are just ready to be a mom and go into mom mode. And then after the kids go to bed, it's not like you're picking your book back up to study or, you know, we'll, we'll kind of lament about the day and share stories and stuff like that. But he's just, there's just this energy that surrounds you where you're just happier. I mean, he's the biggest fan and he thinks it's been worth every penny and like 
you know, again, so when we talk about setting up this business, we just know how powerful coaching's been for me personally. And we talk about like, what are the costs of not doing something? You know, we're like, man, we need to get everybody on our team, like into some sort of personal coaching because it's just so powerful. It can be so helpful. And like your return on investment is just amazing. It just keeps getting better, you know, and, and really frees you up to do the things that you were put on this planet to do. I love that you're bringing in this investment piece of it because I want to end on this question to you because now... I love that a year and a half later, you look back and the investment felt like feels like a no brainer based on what you got out of it, right? And I would imagine you would have said the same thing a year ago when we finished, right? Just after our six months together, you know, looking back and going, oh my gosh, this was totally worth it. The investment keeps compounding ultimately. What would you say to somebody that is at that point where they have to decide to make that investment? Like they don't have the result yet, they don't have what you have. So they're not looking back at it. They're like in the decision, like, how do you even think about, is it worth it? How do you quantify the result in such a way that you feel like for sure you got to go for it? Yeah, it's really hard standing on one side of it and kind of not knowing how it's going to turn out on the other side. But you were there at one point. And I remember the conversation where you were like, no, I'm in. There was no question. You were like, yep, I got this. We got to do it. I was in an a fortunate position where my husband, you know, because he had reached us, you know, like he was already on board. So like, as far as the finance, and he's kind of run the finances for our family. So he'd already signed up like, okay, yeah, we could afford this, and we can make it work. So I came from a little bit of a different position. I go back to like, when you start thinking about these type of things, like what's the cost of not doing it? What's the cost of living your life the same way you've been living it for the next 30 years? What's the cost of, of still being unhappy? you know, what are the costs there? And then when you kind of think about it in those terms, like it makes it such a no brainer, like you've got to do something to kind of change where you're at. Even now though, you think about investing differently than you probably do before you started coaching. This business doesn't fit squarely into your financial life. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't imagine that it does. You know, even if you guys figured out how to make it work before and it felt like it fit in for some people that isn't the case or they take on debt to pay for coaching or whatever it is. And that's ultimately what you're doing to start this business, right? I have a feeling like if you were looking at making an investment now in coaching and it didn't fit squarely into your budget, you would be thinking about it differently (laughs) even then. My message to everyone would just be like, this is the kind of thing that, you know, she teaches you to fish. Like it's going to keep producing results and keep changing your life forever. You know, we always get to come back to and is really grounding. And so it's not one of those like, oh, I'm only getting six months out of like you're getting a lifetime out of it. So good. I love it. Uh, Sarah, thank you again for sharing, sharing about your dream. I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited to follow along as this clinic opens and to see how your ideas and your thoughts expand into greatness into your field. It's going to be so good. And thanks for just sharing your wisdom with everyone. Just super brave of you. Thanks for having me. It's been an honor to be here. Yeah, of course. All right, working moms, you have heard it from Sarah. (laughs) It's time to follow those dreams and let's get to it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want a little extra support as a working mom, I invite you to download my free training, The Secret to Ending Your Workday at 5 p.m. In this free training, I teach you how to shut down your computer and your work brain at exactly the time you want without all those feelings of guilt and like you need to log back on. By the end of this training, you will know exactly what you need to think and do in order to fully engage with your family even after a long workday. To sign up for the training, you can go to www.ambitiousandbalancedcollective.com forward slash end-work-at-5pm. If you didn't catch all that, don't worry. Check the show notes for a direct link. All right, working moms, let's get to it.